In a world where horrid stenches and piercing screams come not from the realms of fantasy, but from the nightmare of reality. Come two heroes bonded by love and the kind of desperation only parents can know. No, God, please, no, no, no! Behold, RPGs and Baby Makes Three, the greatest podcast in the history of all podcasts by parents who have made a podcast about being gamers with a baby. Did I mention it's a podcast? Here are your hosts, Gretchen Hilmers and Rob Hessler. All right, episode six of RPGs and Baby Makes 3. Welcome, you all. I am Gretchen Hilmers. Oh, wait. And I'm Rob Hessler. That's With you as always. Right. Shape changers. <laughs> 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 uh, Except we're very terrible shape changers because we don't have each other's voice. We don't have each other's voice. We failed in body voice. Shape. Yeah, we failed our proficiency check. <laughs> Let's roll for initiative. <laughs> they see me rolling. Some people are born lucky. Let's roll. Roll for initiative. All right, roll for initiative. Let's talk about our week in gaming. Actually, let's talk about the last couple of weeks in gaming because there's been a lot going on. And one of the things, well, first of all, I mean, we played the game Troika last night, and we're going to talk about that on the show today. We're going to do a little review of Troika, um, if you're not aware of that. That's a really, that was a really fun game last oh, night. Oh my god, it was so absurd. I loved it. You know, I think also one of the things that's kind of cool, there's a couple things that, that, and we'll talk about this when we get to the review. First of all, it was a game that was really simple to jump right in. It was the character creation process was five, ten minutes long, you know, jump right in. But what was cool is we found this on a Discord server and it was a one off and it was kind of open to everybody. And this is a great resource for parents, I would say, is finding these Discord servers mm. that have these games that are kind of like they're at random times, like all throughout any given day or week or month and it and they last a certain period of time right so like this was a one shot so we had okay we can do this tonight let's do it yeah exactly and it was you know we planned i guess a week in advance but we kind of knew we could make it happen and and so it worked around our schedule with our little ones so i mean i think as a for our parents this is a discord is a really great resource and we're gonna we'll talk more about that because i think that you know i've been i've been getting us in signing us up for all kinds of discord groups lately here just to sort of check it out and we've got another game coming up next week 
um, that we're going to do. I want to say Scout's Guide to the Apocalypse, but it's not. Junior Braves Junior Guide Braves. to the Apocalypse. But right. Scout's Guide to the Apocalypse is a great movie. It is. I, I'm not sure if these things are related, but it almost kind of feels like they're related. I don't know. Anyway, we're going to do that next week. But again, that's through Discord, and it's a, it's one of those situations where it's a, just a one-off. We're going to play, and, you know, maybe we play with that Game Master again. Maybe we don't. Who knows? But it's... It's a really great way to sort of fit a game into your into your schedule. But I, I kind of thought we would maybe delve into, in our last couple of weeks of gaming, in a game that you and I play together where there has been a little bit of drama. <sighs> we had to lose two players from our Dragonlance game that I run. We had the six players in the game, and there was a an incident... There's been one. There was one player who had had some um, disagreement, sort of play style wise, with a couple of the other players in the game, and it had been building and building and building. I think kind of behind the scenes. And do you want to chime in on this at all? Oh man, I don't know. I just I'm sad, you know, because I. One of the players we've been gaming with for a really long time, and he's he's just he's a really good guy, and I've always enjoyed playing with him, and it hasn't worked out in this game, and I'm very sad about it. I'm with you on that. Yeah, the one of the players. I mean, I'm he's, getting emotional. I'm so sad about it. He has played in our at our home group since it started. He was one of the first members of our home group here that that when you and I kind of decided to start doing gaming together and bring in other people to play random games, you know, and he was in that in in a member of that. And I think it is a big loss. You know, it's the funny thing though, is that there's different tones for different games. And this game is an AD&D second edition game. And for those who have played this, you know this game has been around since, I think, 88 is when it first came out. So we're talking, you know, at this point, 33 years that this game has been out. And what that means is that people have different ways of playing it. It's like it's kind of branched off into all these different play styles. Now, that's true of every D&D. I mean, all actually, really all role-playing games, there is no really right way to play. So and there's the rules that start as the basis for everything, but how it actually all plays out at the table is different for everybody. And in this case, I just think that there was just a very different viewpoint of how the game should be played for this one particular player versus the rest of the players in the game. And it caused conflict to arise. And then we were playing online. So this kind of conflict that might be worked out had the table been still in person because we weren't in COVID, we might have just been like, you know, where we're having an hour-long potluck at the beginning before we play every game and everybody's more friendly and it's not just sit down at the table and play. It might have gotten worked out, but because it's just the game, it became too much of a problem. And You know, it actually hits on another topic that I think we're going to talk more in depth about, which is it's what... Our cat would do to knock something over. I'm sorry. No, it's uh, <laughs> it's what my character would do. And I think... Wait, let me rephrase that. 
but it's what my character would do. For those people who have who who have heard that expression mm-hmm. before, it's what my character would do. That is an explanation for doing something in the game. Yeah, but the interesting thing is, is I, I the, yeah, okay, so it's what I think what caused the the biggest conflict is. It's what the character would do, but it's not how the player was playing the character. Because one of the characters, you know, stop me if I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, then let's just, you know, erase this. Oh, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong ever on the radio, because that's just bad news Then it's recorded. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One of the players is a Sylvanesti elf. High elf, like the highest of high elves, basically the most snootiest of elves. But she isn't played that way because that's not the group dynamic. So she plays it like a little snooty and a little bit arrogant, but she kind of softens that a little bit with the other players so as to work well as a party. Because really, the reason why we're playing the game is to have fun as a group, not have these like interpersonal relationships that bog the game down. So yes, and I think you're. I think that you, what you're hitting on is that the other player felt very strongly that the character needed to be played in a specific way, and it wasn't being played that way. And you know, we've talked about metagaming a lot. In fact, in a recent episode, we did a segment on metagaming, and we kind of dis- differentiated between good metagaming and bad metagaming. And I think this is one of those cases where it's like. It's what my character would do is bad metagaming because it's like, or it's, it's an example of not doing metagaming when you should metagame. Don't ruin the game because it's what your character would do. That's dumb. What? Yeah. There's no, there's no puppet master. And this deserves an entire, I mean, you could do, it's what my character would do, an entire show on that. We might just do that, actually, because I, I think it's a good topic. But I yeah, see it come up so often in role-playing groups. It's insane. I mean, like, we, just in the last week, because it's been kind of in our forefront, just in all these groups we're a part of, it, it just came up time and time again. And I kept on saying, oh, look, Gretch, here it is again, here it is again, here it is again. And it's like, it's it's an issue, and I think we should talk about it. But yeah, we it lost just, a couple it players. It so sad. Mm-hmm. I, I just, and I, I hope we can continue playing in other games but i think some feelings were hurt and i just i really hope we can see this through because you know we're friends this is friends are gonna have hard times you're gonna have good times but the bottom line is is you try to work it out and emotions run high in a role-playing game you know that's the thing is more so i mean all games actually really i mean we've known some people who man get very emotional at tabletop games but i think role-playing games because you're taking on a character's persona and you start to feel that it's emotions do run a little higher and people take things personally and you know especially since we're online and it's just you know it's it's a whole different thing this online thing sucks this pandemic sucks (laughs) i don't know if i've said it during the six episodes but i'm gonna say it this pandemic sucks it really hurts gaming but it also makes gaming awesome and easier because we're branching out more in other ways well i mean it doesn't hurt gaming in the sense 
when you're talking about people getting into it, gaming has like absolutely exploded. Well, yeah, but the it pandemic. hurts in-person games. Yeah, I'm looking forward to being back at the table with people because I think that sometimes that these issues that happen, it's just like on the internet. People will say things that they would never say in a in a you know in a, the comment section. They would never say oh, it to I somebody in real in real life. Oh, okay. People other than Gretchen. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think when you're at the real table, I think these things can kind of get resolved, especially when you're playing with friends. And, you know, obviously we're adult gamers here. You know, this is, a, you know, if you're listening to this and you've got kids and stuff, you know, it's it, we would hope that the maturity level is a little bit beyond, you know, our, our teenage years of gaming. But here we go, are, you know, here we are still losing players. So maybe not. I mean, maybe <laughs> these things can extend into adulthood. But... But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, that was unfortunate, but the game did go on. We played another session the following week, and there was just the four players. And I will say that, you know, the player who, who the, the main of the two players who left and the other guy left as well, kind of in solidarity, I guess you might say. But the remainder of the four players left, it was, it was, it did feel a little bit more laid back because that one player had kind of been at odds with the way the game was played for quite a while. And so there was a tension, and that yeah. tension is gone, you know? Yeah, and, and you know, it's also interesting because when I talked to the player, you know, they explained to me that they were playing their character, which was very quiet and, I don't know. Gruff. Gruff? In a, I just, I don't know. I don't know. That's a crappy situation. Nobody <sighs> likes losing players, especially when they're your friends. And I think that's the that's the thing here. But it is part of gaming, you know. I mean, I think that's the thing is that none of this lasts forever. It's all ephemeral. And hopefully, you know, you realize it's just a story. Let's just move on. And I hope that we can all play together again. Because something that happens in a game is not a reason to lose a friendship over. It's just not. You know, that doesn't mean that feelings can't be hurt. Yeah. Doesn't mean that an apology doesn't need to be made. But it should not be the reason why a friendship ends. That would be, it's not worth it. It's a, It's still, it's only a game. It's a game that we're playing. So I hope that we can, we can do that. You know, get back together, play some other different games and stuff like that. So speaking of other different games, we've got Ravenloft coming up this evening. Actually, at the time that we're recording this, we're going to be playing the Pathfinder Ravenloft game that is run by Amanda Plagman, who was our guest on last week's, or two weeks ago, episode, uh, two, two episodes ago. And she is actually making a return appearance on this episode as well to talk about ooh, the, ooh, ooh. Uh, the, the controversy oh over God. wheelchair ramps. Oh, oh. <laughs> Good, Look out. Good God. Look out. And I think you might be a bit surprised of her opinion on this. Um, it's going to be really interesting. So why don't we um, why don't we dive into the beef of the show? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the funny thing is that's become a thing outside of the podcast now. I know. Like, but nobody gets it because it's so inside. I mean, I don't even understand. Like, it's a joke you and yeah, I make to like, each other. Why are these two idiots <laughs> laughing? <laughs> I know our other parents that are listening. They all have these stupid inside jokes. So you spend so much time with your significant other. You just have this like whole, 
like language of stupid inside things and like nobody gets it and eventually that's why we're all ostracized we have like (laughs) (laughs) all right here's the beef Uh, i have to learn another system how many systems are there how could this happen to me? Product reviews. All right, so we're going to talk about a new game that Gretchen and I just played for the first time actually last night. That's why we wanted to record this segment now because it's really fresh in our minds, and that is Troika. Now, wow. Yeah, this was a really fun, really wacky kind of game. The it was it's published by the Melsonian Arts Council and uh, book hardcover book was about twenty bucks. I uh, bought it directly from them. Actually, and it's a little book. It's I a like, little book. I, like I know it is nice. You it's, it's like a six by nine hardcover book. Uh, it's got nice color illustrations amazing inside. Amazing illustrations. Beautiful design uh, as far as it goes. The book itself is about one hundred and ten pages long. Um, so it's kind of compact. It's a very simple game. Oh, How so long simple. would you say it took us to make characters? Maybe 10 minutes? 15 at max? I mean, I don't know. We like to talk a lot and joke. So I think it took us about half an hour okay. to do the whole process. But you but could make a character in 10 or 15 minutes, so I would say. So easy. It Especially has... when you randomized what your character was. Let me read cool. this introduction here. So this is kind of what it says about it. It says... Beyond that, what you have, and it's kind of described what a role-playing game is, and then it gets into the description of Troika. It says, beyond that, what you have here is Troika, a science fantasy RPG in which players travel by Eldritch Portal to and non-Euclidean Labyrinth and golden-sailed barge between the uncountable crystal spheres strung delicately across the humpbacked sky. Boom. That is... Sums it up, I would say. <laughs> Can you say that one time fast? No. How many times did it take Rob to get through that? Uh, you don't know because uh, he edited know. it I out. Edited, so nobody knows. But the um, the character creation rules are very simple, and they're pretty. It, it's it was very fun to randomize it. So what you kind of do is that each character has a basically there's a a five part character creation system i guess you might say there's a character sheet that you can photocopy from the back it's a very simple character sheet and you roll you have three stats you have skill stamina and luck and those three are used in different ways throughout the game and you everybody require uh, begins with a certain array of basic possessions and then you roll a random background for your character now this is kind of like your character class i guess you might say is the background and what they say is this is you roll d66 but they have a really interesting way of looking at it so you only use d6s in this and when they say roll d66 what they mean is you roll a d6 and whatever number that is is the tens place and then you roll another d6 and whatever number that is is the sing the numbers the singles place so you could roll if you roll a 1 and then a 6, that's a 16. If you roll a 6 and a 6, that's 66. So that's how it kind of works. And there's this array then of these backgrounds. Now, 
You got the... What did you roll here? 63. So I rolled the Adventuresome Academic. You're a classically trained academic, a product of the universities of the Brass City, the Palace of Tigers, or some other less prestigious center of learning among the spheres. Uh, and I went total hoity-toity, librarian, sharp features with... I mean, from my perspective, you were like research library librarian, snooty librarian lady. Like the smartest person in the room, whether she was actually the smartest person or not. Yeah, which was a little hard for me to play because I don't usually... I mean, I am the smartest person in the room. <laughs> I just don't say it. But she did. It was fun. And, and her name was Razzle Dazzle. <laughs> and um, and so I went in a totally different direction. And I again, I, I rolled randomly. So this just ended up happening. And I ended up becoming a member of the, a, a fellow of the Sublime Society of Beef Steaks. Brawlers believe the application of might and a good beefsteak is the universal truth. Words have no power and can no more define the universe than they can build a house, lift a cup, or sear a steak. Might can! Really, they have thought a lot about this. And my character started off with some meat, grill, and was basically, the picture shows him, he's kind of like a bodybuilder. So I could, I had wrestling, swimming, climbing, all this stuff. So my guy wore jorts. Yeah, a string tank top was totally oiled up and was flexing and i, I like the accent the uh, sort of southern dumb accent i was gonna doing sort of did you did you just say southern dumb yeah i don't i don't really sure really not to say that are you, are no. you saying like all southern accents are dumb or are you just no no like... i'm not saying all southern accents are dumb i went with the the stereotypical like dumb Hick, basically, you know, accent. I guess you might say. Uh, well, what would you say I did for the accent? I don't know. Can you can you just do it again? I'm starting to get a little bit confused again, so let's just go ahead and move on. I, I, I don't. I, Slow witted. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I just I I wasn't like <laughs> southern dumb. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Anyway, so I picked up an accent. Gretchen was kind of more pinched in the way that you spoke and so we played this game on discord with a bunch of people we didn't know actually it was the first Complete time we had played strangers yeah and it was a lot of fun like each character was totally different totally people randomized but i will say you know your character's name was big mac big mac which i stole from you yes because you know, my character and that sci-fi game and then there was another character king burger yeah, he named his character King Burger because I had named mine Big Mac, and he wanted to kind of play off of that. But King Burger was hilarious. Yeah. He basically played like a low-rent low king and whose like land had been destroyed, and he was like walking around like a king. And then like one of the other guys who was like obsessed with demon blood decided to become a knight of his and was like walking around with him the whole time pretending to be his knight. Okay, and, and let me just say, we were in a land... Of candy. It was Candyland, basically. Yeah, it was Candy. Candy Land. Mountain. It was a mountain. But. So, but the, the, some of the crazy things were is the uh, denizens of the land were, you know, let's say there was a, a marshmallow knight. There was literally a marshmallow as a knight would be eating marshmallows. So somehow there was this sort of humanoid version of candy, and yet the 
they ate themselves kind it was of creepy. basically it, it was, was creepy, creepy and weird i and loved it the game master did a really good job of she knew the the game pretty well i guess she had run this adventure before so we get dropped off on this island basically from one of these barges and in a lot of ways it plays out like it played out kind of like a typical role-playing game a fantasy role-playing game in the sense that there were obstacles that we encountered that we had to go through so it plays straightforward only it's totally insane because everybody has weird backgrounds weird abilities and everything is sort of strange and psychedelic and and surreal almost did you describe it to me or did you read the description that it was like when you're reading fear and loathing in las vegas yeah and Hunter S. Thompson is out in Barstow, headed to Las Vegas, and the drugs kick in. Yeah, that's the game. It's like if you're playing D, if you were playing D and D, and then all of a sudden, like everybody at the table was like on an acid trip, and like that's the game, basically. But <laughs> the the rule set was so simple. It was like so simple. We we tried to read the rules beforehand, like how to do combat and all that, and we were kind of like, what is going on here? And then when we started playing, it was so intuitive, and it no. was so fast, like you could just sit down and play now this is not the kind of game you're going to do a long-term campaign for but for like a one-off every now and then totally fun there's so think you could do a longer campaign with this uh, you could i think you could do something maybe 10 12 sessions because razzle dazzle has armor now yeah i know you got way for armor you died i know it so... was almost a TPK. It was very close. Two characters died, including Big Mac. And for those who aren't familiar with what TPK stands for... Total Party Kill. Total Party Kill. Yeah, we almost... Oh, some uh, weak monsters. Yeah, so basically some birds that were made out of wafers and ice cream. Fizzies and ice yeah. cream. And <laughs> yeah, Big Mac was the first to die. And I rolled, actually, during the game. And I you don't roll a ton in the game. I think I rolled... Uh, Oh Less than 10 God. total times. I had three critical failures, including look, look, two look, during look. the battle. Look, y'all, I just, I'm going to come out and just give a little backstory, okay? Computers and my husband do not go, they don't get along, okay? So if you're testing. But why can't we get along? I, I just don't understand. But <laughs> if, if there's some weird bug in a piece of software He's going to find it. If you've built a video game and you want to find out where the major critical failure of it is that will make the game, like, literally turn the computer it's playing in, into a smoking time bomb, <laughs> send it my way and I'll find it. <laughs> so, and I'm bringing this up because Rob thought it was a great idea to use the online dice roller. Well, everybody but one person was playing the online that using the online dice roller. Yeah, well, look what happened to you. You know what, though, was funny? The guy who was actually rolling in real life was the other one that died. So I I died and he died. But the thing is, it was also our first time ever playing in this particular Discord server. So I just wanted to be out in the open and just roll everything in front of people just to kind of like, hey, we're the newbies here. They all knew each other. All of the other players knew each other, had played together before. So we were like the newbies. And I just kind of wanted to be like out in the open and like fit in you know what i mean like you're new kind of fit in Ga good gamer etiquette i think in that part but the game is really fun it was really it was i thought it was really pretty interesting the core rule book actually comes with a bunch of 
there's a ton of different, I guess you could say, monsters. Like, there's a bestiary section in there of enemies. There's all these spells in it. And there's an introductory adventure there. They've published a couple of other things as well that you can that you can buy, like other supplements and stuff with other adventures, so you can kind of play that. But I kind of feel like if you started getting into this game, you could easily come up with your own adventures because you can do anything. Like, the way the game is, it's just so freeform and so surreal that just let your imagination go crazy and you could, you know, make an adventure for this Yeah, I mean, just take your fever dreams <laughs> or nightmares and turn that into an adventure. But it go. was pretty lighthearted. I mean, I know, like, my character died, but, it, like, we were laughing. All of us were having, everybody was having such a good time. Oh, like, my God. It was game. so funny. Oh, but There were just so a lot funny. of really funny moments. Like, there was that, um, the guy who was playing sort of a southern priest, basically, and everything was a sin. Everything he was a was sin. He was so, he worshipped, like, the red god or something, and he, he was hilarious and again like he just randomly rolled up his character and decided to play it some people like were rolling up their characters like before the game like earlier in the day and it it's definitely one of those games where if you've got some improv skills man it's a great opportunity to use some of those improv skills and just take up a character so anyway i would very highly recommend this game 20 bucks for the hardcover yeah. i mean seriously you really can't beat it like i said i bought this directly from the creator on their Amazon store. So they have a store on Amazon and I bought the book for it, 20 bucks. It came, it was, I'm an Amazon Prime, came in two days, nice little book. And of Great course, app. if you can buy direct for them through their website. They don't have, you, I couldn't do that directly through their website. Maybe you can though, maybe I maybe I missed that, but I went to their website first and I kind of learned a little bit. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I ended up getting it, I did get it through their Amazon store, mm. 20 bucks came in two days nice little book great illustrations i would definitely fun. recommend this just fun maybe we'll do an actual play podcast of this at some point because i think it'd be really kind of fun to to yeah. let people hear how a game of troika it's so is. easy maybe i'll run it Ooh. oh and so it's spelled t-r-o-i-k-a exclamation, exclamation points point. so yes it is a uh it's a fun little game and i definitely recommend it and this is a great kind of like, you know, whoever you can get together, anybody can kind of play this game. Beginners could play this game and no problem. So, good stuff. It was great. We look at the person through the peephole. You talking to me crazy? Maybe if I get lucky, we get a little action adventure of our own going, you know what I mean? Proficiency check! Okay, so we wanted to talk about something that Gretchen and I have been thinking an awful lot about, and that is the distinction, the journey or the destination. So now you probably heard this in like your regular life, you know, with the journey of the destination, like what's more important or whatever. And one of the things I think is in role-playing games, this is particularly important because you don't win. And for the most part, games, a lot of the games that we play, you're not really winning. Like if you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, there's no win. You know, I mean, it's character survival, I guess, is winning. Sometimes you beat the big bad, but then the game continues on. It's not like the game is over when you beat the bad guy. The game continues on. The world Your still exists. Ended. My campaign ended, but the world didn't end. They won against that 
particular big bad, but it's not like the world doesn't exist anymore. It's not like there wouldn't be a new menace that could arise. It's like there wasn't, there isn't really like a win or a lose. The point is, is that, and this is very important, it's really about playing, in my view, there's the difference between trying to defeat the big bad versus playing the game that's in front of you during a specific time period. Gretchen, why don't you dive in here? Because I know you've got some thoughts and feelings about this idea. I definitely have some thoughts and feelings about this. Many thoughts and feelings. And I feel like you might be delaying right now to gather those thoughts and feelings. Well, you, you, you might be right about that. <laughs> uh, so, Let's see if I we can know. come up with an, an example here, because I think one of the issues is that one of the things that is we kind of... Is this kind of like, should we, is, is this like reading the full book or the cliff notes? Could we compare it to that? Like the cliff notes will get you to the end faster. There's no detours. There's no fluff. But when you read the actual book, there's everything in between. Here, let me give you an example from a game that I recently played in. I was running, I'm playing in a, a second edition game that is quite good actually it's just begun it's a it's a second edition AD&D game and in that i'm playing sort of a barbarian character we're in the frosty like frozen north okay and frozen it's not totally over for like frozen like think kind of like the scandinavian countries so there's like all oh, like it's icy but it's not just everything is frozen over we come across there is a short summer Short summer. That's true. Well, you know, your brother's <laughs> a Finn, so he, he he knows. Um, so the so essentially, we we I'm playing this barbarian character. The other player in the group is playing sort of a sorcerer wizard type, right? But kind of like shamany in a way. So we see the game. We see this shepherd boy is being attacked by wolves, right? So we're like, we gotta save the boy from the wolves. Like, they're going to kill him, right? So I run up, and I try to throw my spear. I roll a two. Spear <laughs> goes wild, right? <laughs> Which, of course, attracts the wolves, because that was, like, my kind of surprise attack or whatever. Then I run up. So then I'm like, all right, well, forget about throwing stuff. Let's pull out the sword now. We're going to chop these these wolves to bits. Pull out the sword. <laughs> Rolling that one, critical <laughs> failure on my next roll. Sword flies out of my hand. Were you using the online dice? Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> Sword flies out of my hand, sticks into the ice. The DM described it as like Excalibur sticking out of the ice. So there I am. And then I'm Did like... you learn your lesson? Okay, now keep telling us about this. I don't learn Larry. lessons. And then you heard it, folks. So then, like the wolf is eating the 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 fourteen year old shepherd boy, and so then I'm like, well, screw this. I'm not going to even use weapons. I ball my hands into fists. Like I, I like connect my hand. Like you know, make a web with my hands, and I'm going to just. You you did a hot potato. A hot potato. Yeah, I did a big hot potato, and I'm like, I'm going to smash the the wolf. Okay, with my hands. Barbarian smash. I missed, of course, <laughs> but. Like, wolves don't really like humans, so the the DM was like, okay, well, you kind of scare the wolf off, when actually, really, it was because my companion was using intimidating and, like, in, like screeching and yelling in the background to scare off the wolves. But to my character, it looked like I was scaring off the wolves. So then the wolf starts running away, and I'm like, 
Goddamn wolf. I'm going to kick this wolf as it's running away because I'm pissed. Nope. Missed the, with the <laughs> kick. Okay, so the reason why I'm telling that story, it's a hilarious story, of course. but It's so funny. The reason why I'm telling this, so we saved the boy, we end up going back, and like, so the kid had killed a wolf before we showed up, had become a man, he was allowed to go into the, like, the lodge now, and like, so we kind of helped him survive so he could become a part of the tribe. It's this whole thing, right? But what I remember is the hilarity of missing with the spear, the sword gets stuck into the eyes, all of that, right? Not the... We succeeded in Save the Boy. We had this big procession going into the lodge. The chief welcomes him into the tribe and all of that. Like, the end, the goal, was the success of that happening. But what was the fun of it was all of the hilarity that happened between us seeing what was happening and that end goal. Like, to me, what made that session was all of that other stuff. And I'm, like, grunting and yelling and cursing the gods for, like, making, like, for missing and all of that, right? <laughs> so, like, that's a very, very small example that happened within one session. But a lot of times, I mean, you can kind of apply that example to long-term campaigns where, like, maybe there's some evil villain at the very end of 10, 15, 20, 50 sessions of gameplay, right? That you're trying to get to. But the fun of the game is the points be be between then and now. All those little unexpected things that happen in the middle of the game. The journey is what makes a role-playing game fun. Those are the moments we remember. You know what I mean? Let's give an example. And we have talked about this on the show before of the Megan and the Candy Cane and Krampus. So Megan in my supernatural RPG. Was amazing and saved the day with a candy cane. Right. But you know what I always think of with that? Is that she picked up the candy cane and used it as a weapon against Krampus. I actually can't even remember how you drove off Krampus as a group. I don't remember how you won that. I remember the detail of the hilariousness of Megan grabbing a yard candy cane. Yes. Okay. But I remember that... I didn't do so well on a roll, and instead of actually hitting Krampus with the candy cane, I accidentally knocked the sack of children off of his shoulder, which okay. still works. Right, that's a fail-forward game. So, like, when you fail at a roll, it's supposed to have an action that you weren't expecting, but not necessarily that won't help progress the story. So that, in that sense, probably make, that makes a lot of sense. So I remember, because Megan saved the children. But wouldn't you say, though, that the, that the legend of Megan is about that moment? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, people, we all still laugh about this. And now. think about that. Like, every out there, if you're listening to this, think about your favorite games that you've ever played, your favorite RPGs, and you think about your favorite characters and the favorite moments that you've had with other players. And there's moments when you're just, like, laughing or dying or, like, there's just the best moments. It's never the big bad moment that we think of. And at least, I mean, we might, but for the most part, it's, like, those little moments where it's, like, some crazy thing happened that... No DM wrote into the module, you know what I mean, or into their plan for the night. It's like some random thing that happened in the middle of the game. It's like, it's those moments that happen as part of the journey. I mean, it's like a mimicking of life. Like when you're on a, on a road trip, that's like the most boring road trip. We live on the East Coast, right, of, of the United States. So we drive up and down Route 95 all the 
time. Yeah, but we're not in a rush to get somewhere. We find some great things to stop at. The best breakfast sandwich I've ever had in my life was along Route 95 that we found. Remember? Oh, oh yeah. Or I'm the not time we stopped at an African restaurant and we had this amazing African food one night. Or when we stopped and we got these incredible donuts from from in a place in Richmond. Or not on 95, when in the same town we went to the uh, biggest chain links the largest fire hydrant uh, and, and an amazing mural and amazing i'm looking at our photo of us in front of it now which... it was like a roger rabbit mural like so like it looked like an opening that went into another world i guess you could say on the side yeah, it looks of a like it was kind of a desert well okay it goes into a desert who cares but it goes into another place that doesn't know, exist we're talking about it, i just want to get up and get it because this is this is something that i'm going to do let's see well, I mean, the point is, though, that was amazing that we saw those things in that place during a random stop on our journey. Yes. Do you remember where we were going? I don't remember where we were going. I remember the journey. I actually don't remember where we See, were going. See, that's the point. And I think a lot of time in D&D, like, almost these, these little stories of the journey are the, they're the, what make the game. Yeah. They're like what make it fun. They're the little stories within the bigger story, I think, that make the game. So it's like... Well, not tabletop, but this is my problem with Fallout. Is I like all of the side stories, usually more than the main storyline. And so it takes me, you know, a really, 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 really long time to finish a game. Because I want to go catch all of those other little unique bits. And You're not alone. That's very common. I know it's very common, and I and I, I love every one of you that do that. <laughs> a com- yeah, you're a completist. You want to get everything done in the game. Everything. I must open up every spot on that map. <laughs> Should try Final Fantasy VII and see how long that takes you to do that. But the, <laughs> but I mean, like the, the point is, is that is that you know, and I think this is a. Uh, I don't know if this is just kind of a rant that you and I have, but it's like. I like to enjoy the game while it's happening. You know what I mean? I know I want we want to get to the end, but I don't want to rush through the role-playing scenes. I want to explore the world. I want to open it up. I want to see every little bit and piece of it. What little random thing draws me I want my giant hamster. Well, that sounds like a personal problem. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Gretchen is referring to giant hamsters, which are bred in a region called Hilo, by the Kender in the Dragonlance world of Kryn. And what are they bred for, Rob? Writing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who wouldn't want a giant hamster mount? I mean, come on now. You know what I want to know now is I want people to tell us their stories. If you've got a great yes. story of a journey, not the destination moment, these little moments that you've had in your game that are just like the best, the things that make you love role-playing, that really, maybe it doesn't, it's no part of some bigger storyline. Just send it to us. Send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. It's rpgsandbabymix3 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, we'll read it on the air if it's good. So you better bring your A game. Or B. I'm not that picky, I'm guys. I get a C, actually. Actually, we'll just take any emails. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Hey, you, you want to send us some emails? You should, you should totally send us some emails. By the way, I just want to say a quick while I'm thinking about this, thank you to our five-star rating on iTunes right now. 
We have gotten a few reviews, and they are totally five-star reviews, what? so thank you all. Oh, God, hey. we're kind of a big deal. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes. Let's get to our next segment, because this is going to be a good one. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm not going to do what everyone thinks I'm going to do. Flip out, man. Look, look, I've got a major problem, okay? Hold up. Wait a minute. You have no power over me. Groans and moans. Okay, groans and moans. We have once again on the podcast our good friend Amanda Plagman. And we're going to be talking about, I guess, something that's become oddly, I don't know, controversial. And... That is the Candlekeep Mysteries book that's coming out for 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons here very soon. Not so much the whole book, but one particular adventure designed by Jennifer Kratchmer. She is part of the Silver & Steel actual play group, and she's a designer, and she created the Accessibility in Gaming resource. And as a part of the Candlekeep Mysteries, she wrote an adventure that incorporates sort of accessibility into the game. So I'm going to read this little quote here, and this is from an article on Polygon.com. This is not something that's new to tabletop gaming or new to D&D, but it was important to me to make accessibility part of my dungeons, Kretschmer said. As an ambulatory wheelchair user, I wanted people to have the opportunity to see themselves represented in-game. We have the ability in fantasy to imagine things. We don't have to pay to make those accommodations. This is something we can imagine in our brains, and it's there. So it's something that was really important to me to put in into my design. So there's been kind of a lot of talk about this recently. There's a few gaming products that have come out in recent years that sort of relate to this. And one of the things is when this debate came up, there were a lot of opinions about this, about having essentially wheelchair ramps in this dungeon is what it really is all about. There was a big debate about it. And before we started talking for this recording here, I was mentioning is that one of the things that I sort of found interesting is that the vast, vast, vast majority of the people who were speaking on this issue were not in wheelchairs. So there were people on who were saying this is great, accessibility, et cetera, et cetera. And then there were people who were saying, this is so unrealistic and this is really stupid. And none of those people actually had firsthand experience. So Amanda, you and Gretchen and I have been playing RPGs together for a number of years, and you are in a wheelchair. So wanted to kind of ask somebody who actually maybe knows a little something about this topic instead of just knows how to post on a social media site, kind of get your feelings about this. So Amanda's a great note taker, and she sent us over an essay actually about this, <laughs> essentially a very nice outline about kind of how you feel about this. But Knowing what you know, of course, you read about Candlekeep Mysteries, and there's a new Pathfinder 2nd Edition supplement that's coming out that talks about this a little bit. Um, You've been supportive of a selection of miniatures that utilize a wheelchair in them. There's all all this stuff, and we'll talk about all that during this. But sort of what is your first visceral reaction to kind of hearing that there is a controversy about all of this? First reaction, it doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Anytime a gaming industry makes a change whether that's racial diversity, gender diversity, whatever else, people are always going to be unhappy about any sort of change. So I'm not surprised. 
as far as how I feel about the changes themselves, on the one hand, anything that gets more people into the game, any people or anything that allows people to see themselves in the game where they previously did not, that's a good thing. Go them, go the people doing this, go diversity. Awesome. Personally, I hate to say it, but I think it's kind of ridiculous. And why do you think it's ridiculous? I mean, because my initial reaction was like, who the heck cares if they put wheelchair ramps in a dungeon? Like, is that really, to me, it's like a big deal. People want to play a character that's in a wheelchair because they connect with it. To me, it was just like, well, whatever. I didn't get involved in the argument, but I paid attention to the argument because it was all over basically every RPG board for about a week or two. And an admin would shut down commenting and then another, <laughs> you know, another thing would start up because it was so, so why is it, why do you think it's ridiculous? Well, it always seems a little odd to talk about realism in a fantasy-based RPG since it's, well, a fantasy-based RPG. But part of what makes fantasy work is that the fantasy elements are exceptions to reality. You look at a fantasy realm and it's more or less real except for this, that, or the other thing. And the more exceptions to reality that you put in, the more you strain credulity. That's why typically when you put in these big elements, you put in dragons, you put in spellcasters, you put in elves and orcs and whatever else's. And those are your big fantasy elements. You don't necessarily feel the need to replace horses with six-legged riding lizards. Basically, you're using up your suspension of disbelief on the good stuff, the big stuff, and the more of the little things that you're also spending it on. Eventually, it just becomes too much and it stops being interesting. But that's just my opinion. Well, but I mean, I, I wonder though, like, so, you know, okay, so this Candlekeep Mysteries supplement, for example, it, it's got 17 adventures in it, okay? Mm -hmm. And one of those adventures has accessibility that mm -hmm. it goes into and has wheelchair access. So it's not like we're talking about some sort of, you know, like it's every dungeon mm -hmm. now is going to have wheelchair ramps. Right. Just as much as, I mean, so like, I kind of wonder like, is, is it even really a big deal at all? <laughs> like, I mean, you know, like that we have these, these, these kind of controversies that come up all the time. And I, and that was one of the things that I thought of first off, like, again, like I said, it's like, I almost thought, well, what do we even like, who cares? That's a very good point. And you're absolutely right. It ultimately doesn't matter if you want it. I'm glad that it's there. I genuinely want you to have the elements in your adventure that you enjoy having. Excellent. You don't have to use it. If you don't like it, ignore it. There's no need for this controversy. Even as much as I find the idea off-putting on so many levels, I don't need to argue about it. I can just say, great, I'm glad it's there. It's not a game element that I'm gonna use. And then I get to move on until, of course, my good friend of so many years says, hey, look, you're a cripple. Come talk to me. 
<laughs> well put. You know, but the thing, funny thing is, though, is that you know. So one of the things that you kind of pointed out, you, you in, in our correspondence before this, is that it's a little bit condescending in yes. some ways in your mind. And I, and I thought that that was kind of funny because I and I sort of mentioned this before we went on the air. Is like all the people that had opinions did not have any firsthand experience of being in a wheelchair. So they don't even really know what they're talking about. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's not now, but I would say though, in the case of the person who specifically designed this adventure, mm -hmm. she is in a wheelchair. So there is Correct. like, she's got firsthand experience. So like to yes. me, her she opinion has room matters. To speak. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She has room to speak. I have room to speak. I love y'all dearly. And I'm glad that y'all are having this discussion, but y'all don't necessarily have room to speak. And I mean, I think that that's, that's totally fair. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think that's one of the things that I think is kind of why, I mean, I guess the trolls will never, or the trolls are undefeated. I mean, so you're going to have that yeah. kind of kind of contact out there. Now, I wanted to talk about some of the other things that have come out in recent years, because I think that there's actually some really interesting things. I mean, first and foremost, let's talk about the miniatures that were done by Sarah Thompson, who goes by Mustangs Art on mm -hmm. Twitter, who did the combat wheelchairs. I'm just gonna say first and foremost, these are badass miniatures. They, they are, are really good miniatures. Well they're designed. Amazing. Yeah, they're really cool. So now you supported mm -hmm. those initially, I know, and part of it was yes, that and they're awesome, but also you yes. I mean, and you wanted to support them to a certain extent. Exactly. Like I say, I mean, I fully support these elements being included in the game, in the gaming industry. These elements should exist. I just don't want to use them. But you're right. These miniatures are absolutely amazing. And I'll admit, as much as I love it, when I got my miniature in, I was a little disappointed because I was looking forward to painting it myself. And then I got the miniature and I realized, wow, this is above my pay grade. I cannot paint this <laughs> in a way that will do it justice. So They're so detailed, good, yeah. They are. So I hired my good friend Andy to paint it for me, and he did a wonderful job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're really detailed. They're really nice miniatures. And I mean, I think that I kind of look at it, and this is one way where I, I can say a little bit, and it's fine, is that one of the things I think, and this is going to sound maybe terrible, and I don't know, you, it, I'm going to say this now out loud to you because I really want to uh, be chastised if I should be, but I think they just look so cool. Like, I mean, I understand, like, you know, like, I just think that there's kind of something cool about like imagining a D&D hero in a wheelchair or like, you know, a villain or like a character of some sort in this, like, if they look like this, mm -hmm. I mean, like to me, like it's just a cool fantasy option. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like that's the way I kind of look at it. Is it's like you know, it, it's as much of of any as, as any option that you might choose as playing a character. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So, so uh, to me, I mean, I just kind of I would want to use these only to the fact that then I could have somebody in a really cool ass like spiked wheelchair wielding mm -hmm. double battle axes, and they look amazing. Like, and anyway, who doesn't want to be Professor X? True. True. <laughs> You're absolutely right. They're visually stunning. The idea is just fascinating. And for that matter, disability in RPGs isn't completely new. Paizo's Pathfinder First Edition actually had an entire character class, which has its own issues, that was partially devoted to being disabled in some capacity. So, I mean, this is a new variation on the trend, but it's not, you know, breaking new ground as far as that goes. 
Well, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because there is that is absolutely true. I mean, I think of like, you know, the three of us have played the supernatural RPG. We talk about it all the mm -hmm. time and and there is um, traits and disadvantages and those are mm -hmm. things that give you help enhance your character or challenges that you have to deal with and you trade challenges to be able to have advantages and, and traits that are positive for you. And one of them, for example, is you can have blindness or deafness mm -hmm. and it's a 10 point disadvantage and then you can exchange that for other things which give you sort of enhancements. So like, and that's, that game came out in 2009. So you're talking about, I mean, this is 12 years ago that the game came out. And to me, it's not even a big, like you don't even really think about it. It's a part of the game and it's incorporated into the game and it's, I guess, an additional challenge. But I don't believe that in the case of the like supernatural RPG that it was meant to be any sort of empowering kind of concept. It's not like, oh, look, you can play someone who's like you. I think it was more just like, uh, well, here is a thing that some people have to deal with and now you yeah. can have that thing as well because exactly. it's reflecting realism. Whereas mm -hmm. what you're talking about, what we're talking about here is a fantasy RPG where mm -hmm. magic exists, where there are literally spells that, you know, if you lost the use of a limb that you could therefore get magic to repair said loss of use of the limbs. Now, of course, not every game is the same and different magic right. levels and everybody plays a little bit differently. And I would also say that this more recent push is absolutely meant for inclusion purposes, not for flavor purposes. They're not trying to make, oh, here's a cool flavor element. Right. This is like, we want people to feel included. Right, and that is a very important point to make that with the combat wheelchair and these new adventures, this is being done from a position of inclusivity and diversity rather than let's see if we can make your character's life more difficult. I wonder how, like, you know, just kind of dovetailing off of this into to sort of a general, because this is kind of like part of a, I think, a move in recent years towards increasing inclusivity. I mean, we had, uh, Gretchen and I had a discussion on a recent podcast episode about Dungeons, Dragons, and Diversity, this article that had come out in Wired Magazine, and I know we shared that with you. We had a kind of a group discussion amongst our, our home tabletop group, and there was some opinions about that. And there definitely seems to be this movement towards removing racial exceptionalism, for example, from from the game. Some feelings about certain character races, like um, like drow elves and half orcs, as being potentially unacceptable. And I could imagine them being removed from you know future editions and stuff. I have mixed feelings about this. Again, I'm kind of this. I'm in the most privileged class here. So I'm like, you know, the white dude, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like, I'm, you know, what am I going to complain? You know, I'm not really don't have much to complain about. So every time I, I'm, I'm coming from a totally, it's a philosophical discussion for me. It's not a personal discussion for me. But it's Whenever. the privileged white dudes that are the ones that are making all of the fuss and being the trolls too. So I'm thrilled to have a privileged white dude coming at it from the other direction. Go you. Well, okay, sure. But I mean, I also just like wonder, I mean, you know, I did get into an argument with somebody on, on, um, on social media recently and it surprise, was surprise, surprise. You mean somebody on the internet was wrong? Yeah. There's someone in the house. that's usually wrong. <laughs> I can't even remember what the details of the disagreement were. It was a discussion about, oh, okay. So here was the discussion. 
is that somebody, they posted up that people in their group wanted to have graphic sexual content in their game. All right. And my response was, I think this is disgusting and I have no interest in it. However, if you and everybody at your table agrees, that's perfectly fine. You do what you want to do. And I got into an argument with one person who happened to actually be the moderator of the group. So I kind of, that definitely tamped me down a little bit as far as I was interacting <laughs> with this person. But the the person was like, well, that goes against the, and it was in relation specifically to Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. And the person was arguing that that goes against the code of conduct that is put out there by Wizards of the Coast and for playing Dungeons & Dragons. And of course, that's an extreme opinion. Nobody's going to tell me what damn code I'm going to play by at my own home table. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. Well, I'll do whatever I want in my own home exactly. table. Exactly. And we all will. I mean, that's just the way it is. But there is an increasing amount of that kind of thinking where there mm -hmm. is the right way to play the game and the wrong way to play the game. And so... I think that what is happening a lot of times, and I think it what's happened in relation to, for example, this accessibility issue and, and bringing in wheelchairs, for example, or having these wheelchair ramps and things like that, that, that show that bring an inclusivity, or we're talking about, you know, racial diversity or, or doing Oriental adventures, right? Like not calling it Oriental adventures first and foremost would probably be the best way to do it, but doing correctly characterizing Asian cultures and, you know, in RPGs, there's lots of these examples, you know what I mean, is that I think people are concerned and, you know, the trolls are just the most extreme example of this kind of thought like, well, people are going to ruin my game. You know what I mean? They're worried about ruining my game. And I think that there is a small percentage of people who take it to that kind of extreme of where it does sort of feel like they want to suck the fun out of it. Like they want to suck mm -hmm. the fun out of my game that they're not even a part of. Like, and there exactly. is a little bit of that. So while mm -hmm. I don't, while it doesn't justify the decision to be pissed off that there's wheelchair ramps or that they decide that they don't, they want to have elves that have dark skin, like people of color and not just all be white. And you know, like, that, that's, that there's something wrong with you if you feel strongly that that should not be the case. You have an issue, a racial issue you might want to resolve. But I, I think that it's really more based in people are afraid that something that they love is going to be taken away from them. And mm -hmm. I think that there is a problem is that there are trolls that are as equally, as equal agitators yeah, uh, that go to that extreme where it's like, literally somebody is telling me I am not allowed to play what game I want to at my own table. Exactly. And I think that that's the scary thing. And I think even you're talking about it, like you're saying, oh, I'm not going to use these wheelchairs, but at the same time, I love, I, I, I support that it exists. And I think that's yes. the, the careful line we need to walk, you know? Mm -hmm. There was a situation that I had in the LARP that I used to play in where they switched from the set of mechanics they'd been using for decades to a completely new set of mechanics. And it was a huge controversy, and the people who were on board with the new mechanics were mocking and condescending towards the folks who liked the old ones, basically saying, well, nobody's going to come and take your old books away from you. You can still play your own little games in your own little way. And that's true. But there's also the other end of it, though, that you kind of are taking things away from me. If I can't find a game that does things the way that I enjoy. 
you're right. I mean, the folks, when we switched over to the new mechanics, I still have all those old books with all those old mechanics. I can't find a game to play in it. So the folks who switched to the new mechanics have functionally taken my books away from me. They're sitting on the shelf gathering dust right now, but they may as well be in the trash. I'll probably never get to use them again. So for all that, no, I absolutely despise trolls, particularly the edgelords that go so far beyond edgelords, they become pizza cutters. But I see where they're going. <laughs> I mean, all edge, no point. <clears throat> but I see a little bit where they're coming from in that... Well, you know, if everything becomes so sweet and nice and not the way that you enjoy, if that becomes so pervasive that you can't find a game that you do enjoy, well, then those folks pretty much have come in and taken your fun away from you. I don't think it's ever going to go that far, but I kind of see where there's at least some legitimate cause for concern. Well, I think one of the issues that I think becomes sort of true, and so, because I'm an old school gamer, I actually like 5th edition, I mean, I've played it before, and I think it's fun, I think it's a good game, but it's not my favorite, so I don't play it because, I mean, I'd rather play something else, you know, and that's kind of the thing. But what I do know, what I do sort of feel is like, what comes along with it is a shaming, like you mentioned, a shaming of those mm -hmm. who like the old way. And I think that's the thing, and I'm, and, and this isn't, this is so difficult because it's it's a difficult line to walk because you know what we don't want to say it's okay that you want to keep something in that's like racist or homophobic or right. Harry Gygax says that women can't have percentile strength in the old editions they cannot they are not allowed to be as strong as men you know exactly like so we don't want to say that's okay like at you know so we don't want to say that but at the same time it's like I run old school games and I just say, well, no, that's stupid. You know, you can have percentile strength or you can have, we're not going to play that. You know, we're going to have racial diversity. We're the knighthood has men and women in it. We don't even, we just totally just ignore what the published <laughs> is to update it, but we're still playing in the old thing. But I do feel that there is like a little shame. Like it's like a little bit of a shaming. I think that's where it is kind of like you almost feel like you are a bad person for playing the old, like you're meant to feel like a bad person. Oh, definitely. You you're made to feel that way. It's a continuum at this point that how much can you update before you lose the original flavor? And everybody has to answer that in a different way. And everybody who sets the line lower than somebody else, the person who sets that bar higher then they're going to mock and shame anybody who sets the bar lower. And unfortunately, with modern forum culture, that just gets savage and it gets taken personally. And I mean, people get accused of hate crimes for not wanting to have these sorts of elements going on. And on the one hand, it's utterly ridiculous, but on the other, you can't really argue with it. Otherwise, you just get turned on again. <laughs> yeah, I know. On a very rare occasions that I've posted some contradictory responses to such folks in in a way that I thought was somewhat reasonable. You know, it's <laughs> not, not not even like not even inflammatory, just reasonable discussion points. I've very much found myself 
regretting it because it's just <laughs> like, and I, I don't mean to like, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty open-minded about many, many things. I'm a, but I'm very socially liberal. So, I mean, it's like, you know, as far as that goes, I'm not really, <laughs> I'm not really like making any, I'm not controversial. I mean, it's, you know, I'm not saying that, but it is, it is sort of interesting. And I think that you make, you know, you make a really good point because it is like those old games, they, they sort of kind of do go to die in a way. I mean, like, and they're still, obviously, they're still popular and they're still a part, you know, I think the internet certainly helps as well, you know, with those things because it makes it so that way that you can find, have to find those five other people to play with, but your exactly. pool is much, much bigger. So you right. can much more easily find those, but it is interesting. I mean, like, for example, I mean, I think you give an example is like, you're not a big fan of Pathfinder 2nd Edition, you were a huge fan of Pathfinder First Edition. You played Pathfinder mm-hmm. Society and were headed up Pathfinder Society for years, and then they switched. And then, I mean, you're running a Pathfinder game, which is fun, but at the same time, it's kind of like Pathfinder First Edition is kind of over. It is, yeah. I mean, I don't like it, but I can't deny that it's so. And there's even a great deal of shame involved in the Pathfinder community that anybody who still supports and advocates for first edition, they're behind the times, they're unwilling to move forward, they're not willing to learn new things. It never occurs to the second ed enthusiasts that, you know, a lot of us have tried the new thing and didn't like it and have said, cool, you do you, we're just not going to go along for the ride. I bet you they're already starting to think about 6th edition right now. I agree. Been thinking that for the last year or so. Yeah, and so they're probably starting to think about, like, well, what is going, What? how are we going to define, like, what is the core values of mm-hmm. the new edition going to be? And that's right. always a question that comes up because it is, you know, you mentioned the big change, you're concerned, you know, how far away does it get when it's, where it's no longer the game? This is the one that's the scary thing, but it's also the hopeful thing because... Mm-hmm. I would argue that going from second edition to third edition was a dynamic change. It changed the way the dice were. It changed saving throws. It changed it from a stat-based, class-based game to a skill-based game. Mm -hmm. And it was a very dynamic change. But when I play those games, when I play your Pathfinder game, which is Mm 3.75, and I run my Dragonlance game, they both feel like D&D to me. Absolutely. So, like, somehow, in spite of the fact that the games are so different, they mm-hmm. still both feel like play, I'm playing D&D. But the thing is, is that 4th Ed doesn't feel like D&D to me, and I don't think it does to you either. That's true. You're right about that. It changed too far. And how do you know if it's too far until you've crossed that line? Yeah, and we're also going to see who's the one, who are the voices you know, because one of the, this is kind of a societal thing that I think is interesting, and it was true in 2014 when Fifth Edition came out. But I think interest in D and D was lower than it is now because mm-hmm. back in back in 2014, that was at the you know after the unsuccessful Fourth Edition, they're coming out with Fifth Edition. People are not really playing the game anywhere near the levels they are now. But with anything in society, the loudest voices which is not necessarily the majority of the people are the ones mm-hmm. that seem to be heard. Like you think about it, like in our yes. politics today, for example. Exactly. So I, you know, I wonder if these voices that seem to be getting the most press, like in articles like Dungeons and Dragons and Diversity and Wired Magazine, or or these debates that ignite over having wheelchairs and wheelchair ramps in one adventure in a series of adventures that come out in one big book, 
are those the voices that are going to decide what the next iteration is exactly. or where what's gonna you're right like where is the line mm -hmm. who's gonna draw right. the lines? because that's really what decides on if the game maintains <laughs> what it is because those voices they are the ones that are advocating for inclusion of wheelchairs and accessibility ramps and all of these things on the one hand they're just as loud and just as extreme as these edgelords and trolls who are advocating to keep women in their place not having percentile strength an extreme positive is still an extreme right yeah you're right well okay so you sent an entire write-up of information about breaking down why a wheelchair is not going to work in games and i would really like to go over some of this so please i mean i, I don't know if we want to go through this bit by bit but i would love to hear you talk through this well if you like i think probably the single most important thing to remember though is for everybody that is part of the disabled community and they're saying oh this is wonderful we want to feel included we feel seen that's completely valid and i support that and everybody should have the right to feel seen and part of this is i mean their argument is this is a fantasy game and a lot of the things that we have to deal with in reality we don't have to deal with in fantasy but they're overlooking one really major point. A significant portion of the disabled community would prefer not to be disabled. I don't play these games because I want what I am to work. I play these games because I want to be something else. <laughs> I don't do this because I want to be reminded that I can't walk. I don't do this because I want to be reminded that I can't change the light bulbs in my ceiling fan. I do this because I want to run and jump and attack and cast spells and do the things that everybody else does, not have everybody else stop and accommodate me. Well, and even beyond that, like extraordinary things. I mean, you know, we talk about, like, your character in my game, Melanora. I mean, <laughs> she flies on a broom and casts fireballs and, like, does all this stuff. I mean, you know, like, that's the thing is, and, and she's and, a power. And she's sassy. She's very swell. Amanda's sassy in real life, too. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> but, I mean, like, I think about it, too, is, like, how often, you know, I, like, we all play characters that have exceptional talents. They're beyond... You know, we play we play play geniuses when we're average intellect. We play. People. I play something with very high dexterity that can tumble and juggle. <laughs> when I, you know, walk into door jams on a daily basis. <laughs> but do you apologize to them when you do it? No, because you know what? F those effers. <laughs> I curse under my breath and I sit down and I take a moment and I don't let my child see that I just want to scream because that hurt. <laughs> No, but it's funny because like, you know, I'll often like I'll play like a big brutish fighter and like I'm in real life. I'm not a brute. I mean, I don't have massive strength. I can't solve all of my problems by just killing everything in my path. Like, what, and I you want to some... score everything with your horns. No, exactly. Right. So that's the thing is, I think there is something to be said. I mean, you know, that's the even beyond 
disability. I mean, we play these games, I think, for the most part, to do things which we cannot do in our regular lives. When I run a game, I tend to run heroic fantasy. I don't really, you know, at least when I'm running a D&D style game. Like, so the characters, there's highs and lows, but the characters win. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And like, you kind of like, you're the heroes and, right. and you do amazing and incredible things. You know, we don't, we don't like play out how you have saddle sores or like, you know, you're... <laughs> You or know? how women get their periods every month. Exactly. How do you navigate that? Yeah. Hey, we're on a trip. A Hold on, y'all. I gotta go poop. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm aware that some people play the game like that. But mm -hmm. for me, that's not the game that I play. I, I, I'm with you. Is that I, you know, we kind of gloss over all of those things. Mm -hmm. Because to me, that's not fun. And exactly. I have plenty of that in my real life. Like, I'm. we're not going mm -hmm. to play three hours of me doing dishes and laundry during exactly. an RPG session. Right. Being disabled is not fun. I don't want to play it. If other people do, great. More power to them. I don't want to. <laughs> well, I think there you have it. If we're going to, that's, I think, a great, great place to end this segment on. And Amanda, really appreciate you coming on and being just so bluntly honest and, and also accepting to people for asking our disabled friend to come talk about it because i really do appreciate it it's very gracious of you to 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 come on the show and and discuss hey, i'm glad that you that. asked yeah we will always love to have you on the show and you know you're a good friend too so uh, i always love to have you in our home i miss you i miss you and i miss your kitties i was gonna say that rabbit really misses you uh i miss oh, yeah. rabbit yeah i want to pet the kitties <laughs> soon they want to anyway. pet you too Oh, I want to um, be petted by kitties. If you have any questions about this topic and you want to um, hopefully not troll us, um, maybe you have some constructive thoughts or ideas, you can email us at RPGs at BabyMix3, and we would love to hear from you because I think this is a really fascinating topic. And this is a conversation I think that's going to continue in the, in the next couple, couple of years as, like we said, as the sixth edition starts ramping up and other games you know, as well, start coming out and, and this um, this topic becomes more and more important as we go forward. So thanks again, Amanda. We really appreciate you coming, coming on. Amanda Plagman. Thank you. I appreciated it. It was a lot of fun. Wow. That was another great episode. Ooh. Man, I'm really... Wow. So good. Could you imagine listening to us on the other end of this and just being like, holy wow. Holy wow. Well, you know what? I'm a parent, okay? I would have said something else a I year mean, and a half ago. Yeah, sometimes it slips out. <laughs> I still. still say it, I know. But then I'll have to edit a beep in and everything, which I have done, but thanks for tuning in really seriously yeah. all we appreciate i hope you got something out of all of that some controversy there and talking with even Amanda if it's Plagman. what not to do yeah what not to do i <laughs> uh, would love to hear your stories about troika if you end up picking up that book and of course as we mentioned if you got your stories about your journeys that you've made in role-playing games we would love to hear from you again it's rpgs and baby makes three at gmail.com it was a fun episode, and we'll be back in a couple more weeks. We've got, we, Gretchen and I have started working on the food episode. We don't know when that's going to be done, but we've been making some recipes. Yes, and continuing to eat said recipe. You know, I'm kind of sensing a trend that we talk about food a lot on this podcast. 
And we talk about food a lot, period. God, I love food so yeah. much. Food is amazing. I miss going out to eat. Well, on that sad note, thank you for tuning in. On a very special episode. On a very special episode of RPGs and Baby Makes 3. Meredith Baxter Burney stars as Gretchen Hilmers. (laughs) Lamenting pre-pandemic life. The before time. (laughs) Take care, y'all. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Thanks for tuning in. RPGs and Baby Makes 3 is a production of Gretchen and Rob sitting on their couch. Email the show at rpgsandbabymakes3 at gmail.com. You can find more episodes on Podbean, Spotify, and iTunes, as well as on our free Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash rpgsandbabymakes3. Thank you.